0: Let's drink our coffee.
1: I say, what's this? Oh, that's the randomizer printout for today. Thank you, Penelope. I've been looking for that everywhere. Um, sorry, everybody, no time for a proper introduction today. We have got a long episode to get through. Our very first visit to Space 1999 Series One is Space Brain. So finally, finally, we get to an episode from the... The series that is my personal favourite Gerry Anderson series And I know some people have uh, contacted me on Twitter To say uh, When's such and such a series coming along When's so and so episode coming along And yeah It's been frustrating for me To be Having the same shows not turning up For so long We've had three episodes from the second season of Space 1999 Now finally We have one from the first season So this is going to be fun to talk about uh also right off the bat i think this is the the longest teaser the show ever did Um, that's the first line of dialogue
0: time we had a new puzzle time we had a new world
1: this is a a rather charming intro where it's just showing like the downtime of the alphans most of them are doing jigsaws it's the same jigsaw but paul is reading a book and i think sandra is knitting or crocheting something um and again it just it's pointing to the fact that this show is genuinely always trying, well, mostly trying to pre- to present these characters as as real and human which it always got criticised for not doing um, but it's just little moments like that scattered all the way through this show and you don't really need to look very hard to find them they're usually there, they're just not being like massively drawn attention to I'm also noticing, we have this uh, this mystery to open the episode where this sort of alien-ish writing is appearing on the monitor screens of uh, all of the composts throughout the base. And, of course, the screens are mounted just above the clocks. And in early episodes, they were, like, fanatical about making sure that the clocks matched from scene to scene and would change over the course of the episode. This... by this point, they have just given up with that. So this scene of everybody, like... Seeing this stuff coming through on the compost in the medical center or in Kelly's quarters, everybody on Alpha is living in like a different time zone. It's midnight in the corridor, it's 3 p.m. in Helena's uh, medical center. It's uh, again never meant to be noticed, but we can see it now.
0: Someone or something is trying to talk to us. Alan, you have an Eagle crew on standby. Yes, sir. Whalen Costo, they're ready to go. All right, have them fly along. (laughs)
1: Any time uh, Alan sends someone up that isn't him to investigate, it's uh, you may as well just call them, I don't know, Dead Meat and Human Shield. You know these two aren't are not going to come back.
0: It's like a giant space of enemy.
1: And this is one of the few times in the first season where the space visuals don't really match up to the descriptions, what the character is saying, or oh, this is... You know, amazing and wonderful. This spinning thing is is not quite as bad as certain things that would turn up in the second series, but from a distance, it it doesn't quite quite make it. The lighting in in the Eagle cockpit was certainly helping
0: there, though. Commander, it's incredible.
1: No, it's 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 average. Oh, and here come the bubbles. More on the bubbles later. Suffice to say, this is. Uh, There are strange shapes. You you can almost sort of feel the presence of an effects technician just with a bottle of uh, shaving foam and a fan just sort of blowing it onto this eagle model. Now, going back to what I said at the very beginning about this being my all-time favourite Gerry Anderson show, yeah, that's absolutely true, and it's pretty much been that way ever since I first saw this show, back in 1997 when it started being repeated on on BBC Two in the 6pm, uh, 6 or 6.25, this would have gone out after The Simpsons uh, cult slot. I just loved it at first sight. Um, the, the early episodes are kind of up and down in terms of quality. It's really severe, but the highs of, like, Breakaway and Black Sun and Another Time, Another Place, and then you have these utter troughs of matter of life and death and ring around the moon, missing link. But just the the sense of isolation, the sense of atmosphere that this show has in just spades. The fact that the science uh, by and large is a bit sort of iffy. If the show can entertain you and entertain you consistently, I think it's okay to sort of just You know, let that pass you by, and this show, by and large, is hugely entertaining for me. I love the design, the aesthetic, I love these eagles, I love this world, I, I, yeah. It was just a joy to watch this every week on the BBC. Well, I say every week, it took them about two years to show uh, one season.
0: It's as if Wayland's eagle vaporised. You know, 20
1: episodes in, it's rather strange that the Alphans are are so baffled by the fact that one of their eagles has has disappeared.
0: The last reported reference point for Eagle One was 397. It's possible, just possible, that Eagle One was hit by that meteorite.
1: Yeah, maybe these characters who are obviously going to die, like most guest Alphans do on this show, have died. We just can't get our heads around this this week, though.
0: What do you suppose that is out there?
1: And, of course, we can't talk about this episode without talking about uh, everyone's favourite Shane Rimmer. Shane Rimmer himself. Uh, And... Yeah, I love this guy. He's just got such a wonderful voice. Um, Even as a one-off character like this, who is so obviously doomed, he still gives it as much as he possibly can. It still feels like characters like this are just sort of off-screen in in other episodes. And, indeed, you can hear him in... uh, I think Breakaway and uh, Testament of Arcadia, maybe The Last Enemy as well. Um, possibly in the second season too. But really, who doesn't love Shane Rimmer? We all love Shane Rimmer. We know from, from the feedback that uh, the podcast had for the, the Shane Rimmer interview back in pod whatever it was. Uh, you all love Shane. Very popular at conventions. And a really nice guy. If you've not met him, I thoroughly recommend doing so.
0: I've got some early findings on this stuff. It's a piece of the coating that I took from well, the Helen, surface.
1: you really should this not era. be touching anything green in a sci-fi show that you don't know what it is. Definitely. And a small amount of human tissue. Human tissue. This is such a horrible way to dispose of Wayland and Costo, though. And it's something this show did very well found eagle one these two have just died horribly off screen and i it's one of the reasons i find this show even as a kid when i was watching it it was it could be scary but not too much that it it put you off watching it i rather like uh, I, I imagine doctor who was for a lot of people it was that sort of i'm I, this is scary but i i'm just with it enough to want to keep watching and one of the reasons with that for that was just oh the way they would Brutally dispatch characters like that, him. and not just off-screen. Sometimes it was uh, on-screen. People were being, you know, have their flesh melting off and ripped off their bones and things like that.
0: And Kelly's in trouble. I'm going out after him.
1: I don't understand precisely what they were hoping to achieve by sending Kelly out on a spacewalk on his own. Um, I know they say it's to get more of a visual idea of. ...of what's going on, their instruments weren't working. But it just seems kind of... ...uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Oh yeah, dangerous. To send this guy out, on his own, into an environment, into a region of space where you know your electrical systems... ...are having problems, if he gets into difficulties, if his communicator goes down, if his life support goes down... ...or if indeed, as is happening here, he's being brainwashed by the space brain. You would think that you know, there would be something on the Eagle as simple as a periscope that wouldn't require masses of electrical doodads, but from which they could actually sort of see what's going on around them. Or even a window. The, the passenger module doesn't have windows except on the, the sort of top.
0: His heart and lungs have adjusted to what's going on inside of his brain. The question is, what is going on inside it?
1: This is something that the show, particularly in the first season, but also running into the second season, was very keen on. Things going wrong in people's brains. If you want to do like a Space 1999 drinking game, if you take a drink every time the phrase brain damage is uttered, or someone's brain melts, or someone's brain explodes with tumours, or whatever, you would be just unconscious within about ten minutes in some episodes, even right from the very first episode, it's like... I don't know, What's brain damage was just, was just cool to Space 1999, it's uh, it's rather...
0: His heart and lungs are fine. As soon as there's any news, we'll let
1: you know. See, see, I didn't mention his brain, because this is an era of brain damage is awesome.
0: Commander, I want to stay here. I know you do, but you can't really. go please.
1: Come on, wives can't stay with their ill husbands. It's only for base commanders and random professors who get to do that. Mathematical... Out,
0: woman. Those are computer traces, Victor. There's certainly not Kelly's brain patterns.
1: No, they're... Someone else's brain patterns. Perhaps we could record them and transfer them to someone else. Maybe that's what's happening here. That's a good idea. We should... If we ever get back to Earth, we could pass that on to a professor in Cornwall or somewhere.
0: Whoever was trying to talk to us before Eagle One was crushed is now using Kelly as a link to computer.
1: This is something else I love about this show, and I know it might irritate some people because it can slow the plot down. I just love how the Alphans have to carefully build the pieces of this jigsaw puzzle, almost as if they don't know... well, they they don't know what the picture on the box is supposed to be in the first place. I love watching them kind of grappling with the unknown. It's one of the things that I find so appealing about this show, especially as with much of this scene here. It's, It's Martin Landau and Barry Morse. Just bouncing ideas off each other They do that so well And I think my abiding image of this show uh, Is just the, the two of them sort of staring out into space and, and Victor going What's it all about, John? That essentially, to me, is, is what this show is all about Here it comes Best line ever You must not touch my brain There we go That's it, fantastic Yeah, Helena is now wearing what looks like Oh Yeah, another point for the Space 1999 drinking game. Any point in which Dr. Mathias is thrown across the room, another drink.
0: John, we can't just let him go. Victor, whatever this thing wants, it's using Kelly. So let's let Kelly lead us to it.
1: And then it can kill us like it killed Wayland and Costo. That's a brilliant idea! Well, it's time for the advert break anyway, so who cares. Kelly's gone into the computer room.
0: Good. Get Kano there. But don't go on until I arrive. Right, Commander.
1: I want all our black guys in one place. We've got Anton Phillips, Quentin Pierre, and on the way now, Clifton Jones. Um, and this, these shots of Shane, Shane Rimmer just keyboarding away on the keyboard. You're working the keyboard with his fingers really fast. It does sort of bring back unpleasant flashbacks to uh, Ring Around the Moon, my least favourite episode of Space 1999 ever made, where people were just getting taken over all over the place and rattling away on the keyboard. This is a slightly better episode than that one. Um, No, who am I kidding? Anything is better than that episode. Whenever we get to Ring Around the Moon, there are certain episodes that I'm not looking forward to tackling at all. Ring Around the Moon is definitely
0: up there. You must make them understand. (laughs) Make them understand.
1: (gasps) It's kind of sweet that even though Kelly has been sort of taken over by the, the brain and been essentially roboticized to the point where he won't even talk to anybody, He still goes to his wife when they shut computer down and he can't transmit any more information out with his brain.
0: We're back to the old problem of how to drive this moon the way we want it to go. Only two practical schemes for that. Shock waves and anti-gravity screens. Both of those are aimed to reduce...
1: Oh, that was a a couple of slices of uh, continuity there for you. Which uh, was always... I I, I get the feeling the show wanted probably to do more of that than it was reasonably allowed to because episodes would be shown out of order so it didn't make sense for them to be referring back to things that in certain broadcast orders wouldn't have happened yet. But that's a nice uh, throwback to uh, Black Sun and Collision Course. So now the Alphans are loading up an eagle with uh, nuclear charges to sort of aim at the brain. What I like about this is... This is not their whole plan. they will try to communicate with it through Kelly if at all possible. This is just sort of a, a an in case it doesn't work thing. But what I find odd is 1845 one,
0: five,
1: seven, four
0: Destruct mechanism set for 1845.
1: No you didn't. you just set it for those... you <laughs> I, I don't get what that.
0: That means
1: he presses those four numbers that I said and then says a completely different number. I mean, I kind of get that sometimes in the show buttons did not look like what they were actually meant to be and they didn't look quite right because nobody was expecting them to be seen on screen in close-up detail. But when you've got a close-up on someone's finger pressing digits and then that person says a completely different ...number to what they've just done. I don't get it. I, I don't get how numbers can mean different numbers to the numbers that they are.
0: Or well, Whatever's out there, it's gonna get one hell of a headache when it starts to squeeze that little bundle.
1: Unless I misset the timer on the bombs, but I don't think I did that.
0: In sufficient quantity, John. This... foam, as you call it, could crush anything.
1: This may be a good point to discuss uh, the fact that this is the slightly infamous Foam Machine episode, which is an odd trope that shows of this era seemed very fond of. Uh, This is probably sort of towards the end of the cycle, but I remember Doctor Who in particular, Loved foam machines in the, uh, the Patrick Troughton era, most notably in uh, Fury from the Deep, but also where uh, web of fear, and I think I'm right in saying the Abominable Snowmen has a foam bit on the, the hill, and uh, also Seeds of Death. But uh, that wasn't the only show of that era that was like, you know, we've got a foam machine, so we're going to use it. Uh, the Man from U.N.C.L.E. did a couple of um, foam machine episodes. They had a uh, there was an episode called The Arabian Affair about killer foam, and uh, the Pop Art Affair had a, a killer foam machine as well. I don't know what it was that suddenly prompted this mania in TV shows. There must be more. If there are more foam machine episodes out there, please let me know because I find it a fascinating oddity of like we can make lots of bubbles let's film an episode about it.
0: John if you want me to link your mind to Kelly so that you can read his thoughts no. The results could be catastrophic.
1: And remember the last time you asked me to do that when you got really drunk at the Christmas party and you were just reading minds all over the place? Never again John
0: connected here
1: so now we have a sequence that is perhaps um, even more than the sort of Foam machine finale This is a, a sequence that I find The most baffling part of this episode The Alphans have the technology To link one human mind to another They call it symbiosis um, Where was this technology before And why was it never used again um, Helena makes you know lip service to the fact that it's dangerous But Wouldn't I don't know it just seems like that's a fairly radical piece of technology that would massively change human relationships on a on a grand scale but it's like ah oh no this this old thing we just we just keep it in the the junk drawer again it's kind of one of those things where we need this in order for the narrative to function it's also strange that we have an alfan who has essentially a USB port in the back of their skull, and that's Karno, uh, who is capable of talking directly to the computer. Um, I don't know, wouldn't it be safer to maybe plug him into this rather than risk losing Koenig on this, uh, this bizarre thing? Again, that's the only part of this episode that I really, I really have a hard time sort of accepting. Although it does lead to some of uh, Is this brain? Some world building with regards to what this brain is actually responsible for. That there are all these planets and all these civilizations out there. And I know in sort of um, follow up novels, um, I think a lot of the. Several of the Powers Media novels published in the last 10, 15 years or so have sort of either picked up on the idea that. Various civilizations were affected by the destruction of the space brain or even that certain Certain planets and characters that we see in the second season Were affected by the death of the space brain I think they said that the uh, the planet of the living rocks was was one of them that was uh, Was hit by the death of the space brain I suppose if it means that That bloody rock gets to suffer then it's probably worth killing the brain but uh
0: no Maybe not. to Kelly.
1: Oh, <laughs> We've just passed this piece of paper from like half a dozen people round to uh, to Tanya, who by this point was essentially an extra. I, I get the feeling they're kind of giving her something to do here. You know, In the old days, we'd give you a line now, just hand this piece of paper to another character and get out of shot.
0: I like Tanya. I like uh, Suzanne raquette sort of
1: kind of limbo between um, regular character and just extra, but uh, I think she should have been given more to do.
0: Alan, I want every single man standing by. As soon as that ship lands on the moon's surface, take the charges and place them on the moon's surface as per the brain's instruction.
1: Well, there are 300 of us, John. You want us all out there? Seems a bit redundant, John.
0: It's locked on a course which will bring it down right in the centre of Moonbase Alpha, where it will explode. An accident. Or is the brain intentionally going to destroy us?
1: Now, I think Space Brain was one of the last episodes to be produced. In fact, I'm pretty sure that certain shots of this episode, brief insert pickup shots, were the very last thing that were filmed for the first season. I also understand that um, the script for this one was being tinkered with, like, right down, down to the wire. And at some point, it was planned that the Brain actually was planning to destroy the Alphans, that Kelly was working against Alpha, and that this bit with the nuclear eagle sort of coming back out of control, locked on collision course with Alpha, was, you know, a, a plan on the Brain's part. And in the final episode, it's it's changed so that they think, oh, this is just a random accident. The Brain is nothing to do with this. Um... Which
0: Kelly, is there anything you can do?
1: I think is, is a much better, a better way to get through this than just oh this, this this massive entity is is going to destroy us. I really like the idea that this huge thing is is trying to save what is essentially a tiny speck of dust, which is the moon. But the the, the reason for the eagle, the the onboard systems blowing out on the eagle and them losing uh, remote control over it. Is never really explained, and I've always just put it down to the fact that Alan, as we've said before, clearly put the wrong numbers into the keyboard for the uh, the countdown mechanism on the bomb, and it just, you know, the Eagle took a few hours to think about it, and then just spat the numbers back out and exploded the remote control device. Three minutes to detonation. So Koenig has gone up alone to dock with the um, Eagle carrying the nuclear charges to see if he can pull it off course um, to avoid disaster. Again, as much as I love Martin Landau, and I really love what Martin Landau brought to this character, you hear stories from behind the scenes of sort of... you know, things had to be tailored to him first. He wanted to be the star. And sometimes it's to the detriment of sort of common sense. I mean, he's gone up for this mission on his own. Which... You know, you can maybe make the argument that he doesn't want to put anyone else's life at risk, but the fact is he is trying to fly two eagles by himself. It makes no sense for him not to have a co-pilot here. It would save time, it would be safer, but we also need to make our commander look damn heroic, so uh, screw common sense, let's give him his big hero moment eagle crash there. Although it's carrying nuclear charges, you kind of expect it to sort of explode and be blown to pieces, but Koenig pulled out the Victor. fuses or something, but the fact that the eagle crashes and the cockpit module comes off and sort of does cartwheels over the top of the, the frame,
0: that's very cool. We could increase the atmospheric pressure inside Alpha. Would it work? It's a long shot, but it might give us a chance, yes.
1: Thank you, Victor. You've come through for us again. Your long shots have saved us on many an occasion.
0: I want you all to know that...
1: You will get wet. We
0: will do everything in our power.
1: But you will also get clean. It will be a very soapy invasion of Alpha.
0: Please remain calm.
1: They're only bubbles. So now the moon is, uh, approaching the outer layers of the space brain. It's already being bombarded by, uh, strands of shaving foam. And I think I actually take back what I said about the, uh, the space visuals in this one. The start of the episode still not very good, but by the end when it's this massive sort of Technicolor spinning, glittery the colours are constantly shifting and they've matched that in uh, main mission in the interior sets as well. There's this constant variety of colours. It's very pretty to look at. You just have to kind of blot out the fact that this is uh, evil shaving foam accumulating on the lunar surface. It's creeping up on the launch pad. Oh, now, why did you leave that eagle on the pad? That's just silly. You should have lowered that down and put it away safely. Take better care of your toys, Alpha. You don't have many of them left. And you go through them like I go through socks.
0: Total evacuation. Emergency services only in one minute. Seal bulkheads in two minutes. All
1: right. All those extras, get out of the room. If you don't have dialogue, move out. Despite how goofy this ultimately gets with people running around in... Uh, Masses of foam that's filling the corridors nearly up to the ceiling. I do really love the sense of Doom and atmosphere that's God, building if here, we especially with Disconnecting it'll die. I don't know if you can hear it, but it has just come in <laughs> The beginning strains of Mars, the bringer of war by Gustav Holst Wonderful piece of music And it also it, it does feel very Barry Grayish, oddly enough. It, it really suits the visuals, um, which is a, a strange thing to say considering that we're just watching these massive. I don't know what 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 do you call a group of bubbles? Um, I don't know. There's just this mass of foam and bubbles is blotting out the screen. And I wonder if this, if the addition of this music was always planned. Or if it's like, um, with the ending of, of Blackadder 4, where you've got this thing in the editing room that you don't think works, and then suddenly you just find this one element. In, in Blackadder's case, it was slowing it down, putting the sad music on, putting poppy fields in. With this, it's just put this music on here. And we can sell the fact that, you know, this is meant to be a gripping, serious moment, even though um, we're, we're drowning in bubbles. Pressure
0: holding.
1: So that is just an insanely silly shot of Shane Rimmer drowning in suds. Um, but the music, oh, these poor extras, this is, um... Ah, uh, this is just silly and wonderful and brilliant and glorious all at the same time. If this music were not here... Maybe I would wouldn't be saying that, but the fact that it is. It just makes it feel like it has so much more weight than it does. Oh, these poor extras. This looks like so much fun though, doesn't it? Just careering around in all these bubbles. Oh, I think I think we need to bring back the the foam machine episode. That needs to be something in, in TV terms that, that comes back, I think. Episodes of oh I don't know. Luther or NCIS or Casualty or you know, Broadchurch. Get a phone machine in there. It, it, it can only be beneficial, I think. Don't get the bubbles in your eyes, men. It, it stings. I don't think these bubbles would have been made with the uh, No More Tears formula, men. <laughs> this is a... Uh future Academy Award winner Martin Landau groping blindly through these uh, piles of bubbles.
0: Get upstairs to the balcony. Go on, quickly.
1: You too, Yeah, because the place is rocking and, yeah, there we go. Nearly fall off the balcony to your deaths. That's what I want. There's foam everywhere. This is glorious. And of course this shot of Koenig here music and his visor is covered in bubbles (laughs) oh that was just one of the most glorious gloriously bombastic and over the top things I think in any Anderson series is that, that travel through the space brain, I love it I think we've come through and we're cleaner than we've ever been before
0: complex as the human brain and just as
1: vulnerable. Here we go, this is this is Prime Space nineteen ninety-nine. We're having a moment at the window. Martin Landau, and Barry Morse, and meanwhile, we've got all these extras sweeping up the foam. I imagine that's these scenes as well would have to have been some of the last shot for this episode because clearing up this place after the foam had been pumped in and, and it's it would have had to have got into like a lot of the electrical monitors and such. Well, that was Space Brain, and um, essentially it feels like a retread, a rewrite of uh, Ring Around the Moon, but produced to a far more enjoyable level, and uh, maybe the first half is standard Space 1999. The second half, especially building up to that finale, though, is just this wonderful mix of glorious goofiness and uh, just wonderful atmosphere and dread.
0: Um... Still not a fave, but that ending is something so special.